right when you don't know what to do just keep on breathing from the city of angels in los angeles welcome to all my listeners out there in radio land i'm dave the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com along with my lovely co-host carletta cole who's a little bit tardy right now at the caregiver safe place um at the caregiversafeplace.com also coming to you live and on demand 24 7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, and the list goes on and on. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Ryan McAniff is the owner of Minute Women Home Care a private home care company, and the owner of WellAware Care, a fall detection and remote monitoring software company. Additionally, he is on the board of the National Aging in Place Council and is an advocate for planning for old age. Always had planned for that. Um, and we're going to be talking about as costs go up, can technology replace caregiving? That's an interesting topic. But before we get started, I do want to thank my last week's guest, Dr. Vicki Matthews, a naturopathic physician and relationship coach. Try saying that fast three times. She's been a guest on Oprah's show twice, relationship expert on the Fox Business channel, and has been featured on radio, podcasts, and print. And just a reminder, you can hear that interview and all our interviews, including this one, on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or uh, the other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, always exciting to do these, and I love talking with people and and getting the word out about planning and uh, getting ready for old age because it comes up quick. (laughs) Faster than you think. Yesterday, I was 21. I swear it's true, and I don't know what happened, but apparently I raised three daughters and and, uh, lived 40, 50 years in business, and uh, I don't know. Maybe you have an answer for us. Uh, life ask, happened. Life happened. I do like to ask my guests, um, just who is Ryan uh, McAniff, and why was he placed on this earth? Wow, that's a that's a deep question that could go yeah, many different ways. Start out ways. real deep here. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm just a guy that kind of uh, got involved unintentionally in the senior care world, and I think for a lot of people. In their 20s, you think you have to know everything or have to have it figured out or whatever it is. And, you know, uh, uh, life seems extraordinarily complicated. And sometimes if you just sit back, relax and and let life happen, it will show you the way. And and that's what ended up happening to me where uh, I just never thought I'd be sitting in this chair talking about caregiving and and planning for for getting older. And sometimes (laughs) life puts you on a roller coaster and you just got to hang on for dear life. Now, just a minute. We both look very similar. How old are you? I'm 38. 
Are you really? So I am. I am. So uh, the well, I'm 38 so too. What a coincidence! <laughs> my my hope is that going bald uh, early will will keep me that that's the penance I have to pay for living a long and healthy life. So some you can't have it all. Maybe you can't have the full head of hair and the long and healthy life. So that's how I'm justifying the reason why I went bald. Well, you do know I'm lying to you. I'm not really your age. I am 69. And uh, what can I, I would I would say you look fantastic for 69 years of age. I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's get going here. Um, let's talk about the cost of private home care. Because yeah. are you really suggesting that a robot could take my place as a caregiver? I am suggesting that lots of families aren't going to have an option. Um, You know, I got involved in this because my mom got sick and I needed, we needed 24 hour home care. And um, after she passed away, after a couple month battle with, with cancer is where I got talking with my aunt about owning a company called minute women. We're located up in uh, the Boston area. And over the last 10 years, and especially through COVID, I've seen uh, the cost rise quite, uh, quickly. And it's made me very concerned about what is going to happen to lower income and middle income uh, families that cannot afford 12 hours a day, seven days a week or five days a week of private home care. Um, and right now we're in a uh, technology revolution in which I think that that's going to have to be the solution that comes comes because you have a large population in this country that is getting to and past retirement age and not enough people to provide the services that they're looking for, whether it's lawn services, healthcare services, food services, whatever services-based industry you're in, um, you're likely very busy and you have more business than you have bodies that are able to provide those services to individuals. Well, I know caregivers are expensive to hire, but I would think that robots are even more expensive to hire. And who's who's going to pay for this? Who can afford it? Can well, I mean, we're a caregiver. Yeah, true, right? So, I mean, you know, when you think of robots, you're probably probably in the minds of most people are thinking kind of like uh, the Jetsons, where there's a robotic maid going around, and there are certainly robotic uh, trays and and robots are being introduced into the the um the industry but at the end of the day uh what ends up happening just like it did with every other piece of technology it's it's expensive to to start out with and and then as it becomes mass produced and becomes far more affordable for individuals to have in their home and i think that we're definitely gearing towards that because there's just no other solution out there for most seniors uh, especially those that don't have a boatload of money Will the uh, stingy insurance companies start paying for that kind of stuff? Well, if I think that if uh, stingy insurance companies can be convinced that having some of these um, devices in their home um, is going to offset some costs and keep seniors safer in their home, that will be a return on investment for them that will save them money in the long run. Um not re- not related to technology, but I know a lot of states in Rhode Island's one, Massachusetts, I believe, has looked at this. They have looked at uh, grants to allow seniors to make home modifications. Math- uh, Rhode Island has one where if you spend five thousand, they'll re- they'll um, throw in five thousand, so ten thousand wow. total. Well, the fact of the matter is, you're going to be spending that money one way or another. 
whether you want it to be in a hospital visit and then a rehab uh, visit and then VNA services when you get home, or you can pay a lower amount up front and hopefully modify a home that allows somebody to be safer. And even if you prevent one or two hospital uh, uh, going to the hospital and, and crises that lead to a hospital or rehab situation, it's paid for itself many times over. And so I think that's, that's where we need to, to be at that, uh, paying a little up front is, is better than paying a lot down the road. Yeah. As long as the insurance company is paying, I guess. Um, what kind of time frame are we looking at? How far away are, how far are we away from this? Well, I mean, it, it depends. Right now, the future is now. You, I mean, well aware okay. care has fall detectors that go on the 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 wall that can determine when a fall has occurred. So um, we're not talking it, just about robots here. We're talking about technology. We're talking about technology in a whole, but there is a, a it, it evades me right now. But I just did a one to one with a gentleman who has a little, literally, a robotic. Um, it's, it, it's a robotic square that can you uh, navigate your home, bring you, bring you your food, bring you your medications, can bring you your package. So there are lots of technology that can go on the walls and work behind. That's what WellAware Care does. There are other technologies that have actual, um, actual devices that resemble, that resemble, but they make you think of like a rumba that can go to different rooms and, and are much more pre-planned with what you need and you can um, utilize them how you want. But there is a lot of different options out there when it comes to technology. Let's talk about the trouble in finding uh, caregivers and staffing. All right. Um, today, uh, it is hard to find. I always tell people, look, you know, look at the tsunami on the horizon. It's coming. And, you know, there's too many people who need care, the baby boomers, for example, and there's too few people who are able to provide care because they're just, the numbers aren't there. It's like the social security system. More people are taking out than putting in and it's a crisis. So uh, explain a scenario of how this could really solve the problems that I just described. Well, the problems that we're having is that assisted livings, home care companies, VNAs, hospice, even nursing homes are all pulling from the same pool of caregivers, which are CNAs and home health aides. And there are just not enough people in that industry to to care for everybody, which is what you were describing. So what what you're looking at right now is something that I, I I guess I should give it away that I don't think one-on-one home care will ever be replaced. And having a robot that is so in tuned with what your needs are is a long ways away. But what I think technology is going to do is that they are going to provide you an alternative to one-on-one care that can't be, uh, that isn't affordable or you don't have the need for that yet. There are a lot of people out there that have a need for a small amount of care but our minimum hours are much higher than what their needs are for. So you're going to have to use technology to supplement the care that you need. And it might not, as as far as like a well-aware care, a well-aware care can't prevent the fall. But what we're preventing is you being on the ground for six hours until somebody realizes that you have fallen and you're stranded on the ground. So it isn't going to be a perfect solution that cures the need for one-on-one care but it's going to allow you to have um, some type of um, peace of mind that you're not going to be stranded on the ground, that your your neighbors are going to get these alerts so that they can come and help you within a minute or two. And then you're back in your, hopefully in your chair, and it was just to slide out of the couch or the bed and you're back in and you're good to go and there's no hospital needed. If somebody's on the ground for six hours, you're going to the hospital as a precaution. So, I mean, I think right now what you're looking at technology doing is helping um 
provide primary caregivers the peace of mind that they can go out and go to work without having to worry about what's going on at home at all times. Yeah, and there's our, those devices that if you fall and you can't get up, you can push the button and, um, you know, 911 will come at your door. So, that, I mean, that's already here. Yeah, that's already here. But what we've found with a lot of seniors is that they either forget to wear those devices um, or they wear them and they have memory issues and they completely forget why they're there. So they do. If if you use it all the time and you have the wherewithal to press the button, we've even had seniors that no memory issues are wearing the device, but they were like, we just didn't want uh, a cavalry of three firefighter trucks showing up at the front door, letting everybody know that I fell. So I'd rather sit on the ground for four hours and wait until you, you being the adult child showed up and helped me out instead of making all a a ruckus. So there are pros and cons to those types of devices. Yes, absolutely. So you're very passionate about this. How did you get involved in this? I mean, do you have a loved one that you were a caregiver to? I mean, how did it start for you? Yeah, I mean, so it started um, in 2011. My mom had cancer, and oh, wow. we got a call, we had a call, and she had a seizure um, while she was overseas on a trip, and oh, wow. uh, it snow it snowballed into more or less where the cancer wasn't, rather than where where it was. It was everywhere, oh, metastasized. It was over. Um, thank you. And so that um, you know, I like to spin it in a nice way, saying that was my mom's last gift to me because I had been sitting racking my brain on what I wanted to do in life. I wanted to be mm. the owner of a company and um through that experience i got to know what hospice was like 24-hour home care and my aunt owned minute women and uh uh it had not really um been uh given the 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 attention it deserved and it was kind of getting close to failing and i was able to purchase it from her and and help people the way that i needed to be helped uh, and my family was helped with my mom and that led me over the last decade of experience to seeing some of the pitfalls that are with private home care. And there certainly are pitfalls with it. And there are, there are pros and cons to every industry. Um, and that's what made me passionate about, hey, I'm fielding these calls every day from families that either can't afford my care or can't uh, get the amount minimum amount of services because they don't need it. We must have some type of alternative technology that can help out. And certainly well aware care isn't the first one to come up with remote uh, monitoring and fall de- fall detection and things like that. But we like to think we do it pretty well. But it's a way to help people that don't have a whole lot of money and need some type of uh, service yeah. to allow them to go back to work or to yeah. enjoy life in some way, shape, or form. So that, in a nutshell, is my background into getting into this. And and if you had asked me 10 years ago, 12 years ago, if I'd be talking about caregivers and passionate about seniors and helping them and all these things, I probably would. I have no idea because I don't know what the future holds. But right. like I said, sometimes you're on the roller coaster ride and you just got to hold on. Yeah, when my mother was in a nursing home, uh Every time she got out of the bed, this alarm would go off. So there's another example of, you know, something that caregiver can use, you know, to make sure uh, if you're a high risk fall, you don't want her getting out of bed, you know, and you don't want to strap them down like a mental patient. So. Can't do can't do that legally in some <laughs> states as well. But that's a perfect example. Like we we just installed well aware care into an assisted living when uh, the memory care side, mm. and the family was paying for 24 hours a day of care which probably equates to about $300,000 a year, if not more in Uh, care. 
just so that if that individual, that, that, that mom or that, that sister got up in the middle of the night, she wouldn't fall because she was a fall risk. She was a, an issue. And of course, because she had dementia, she didn't do the pull cord. She didn't call the front desk. She didn't remember. So by a, the being able to put a fall mat in, so we have a smart bed pad that goes under the mattress and it will send an alert, a, a text message, an email, a phone call to any number in that assisted living when that person gets up in the middle of the night so that they can rush in there and help her to the bathroom and bring her back to bed. So we saved that family $300,000 a year by being able to put our device in there and she can stay in her home longer because you don't need a private home care, a private caregiver just to, because you need to get up two or three times in the middle of the night. The assisted living's there to help you do that, but they just didn't know when you were getting up in the middle of the night. So that's a, that's a funny, you brought that up. That's a perfect example of where $50 a month is going to be able to offset hundreds of thousand dollars of year in an assisted living. And the most important part of that story is we're able to keep that person in their home where they wanted to be. Most people don't want to be in a nursing home. Most people don't want to move to that last step, especially if they don't need it. And so if we're able to keep, keep people home aging in place, whether that's in an assisted living, independent living or a residential home, that's a good thing. And it's a win-win all around for family members and seniors alike. Um, if you had to guess, um, in one year, five years, 10 years, what kind of cool gadgets <laughs> would be available to caregivers? Uh, give us uh, an idea. Look in your crystal ball. I think it's very realistic that you're going to be able to down the road, um, accurately enough predict what is going to happen with the senior and how at risk they are with falls and, um, and, and various, I think you're going to be able to cross section based off of somebody's age, based off of their weight, based off of their, um, their, their muscle mass, and then based off of their, um, chronic diseases, the, the challenges they're, they're going to have on a, a year, year in, year out basis that the older you get at this weight with these chronic diseases, these are the kind of outcomes you can expect. And then based off of technology and all the data that you can gather in somebody's home with somebody's uh, uh, biometrics and with their health data, you're going to be able to really kind of predict what their life is going to look like based off of what they're seeing. And that's the problem that a lot of families have is that like, I'll use me for an example. My dad lives down in Florida. I'm up in Boston. If he got injured and the doctor called me up as the, I'm an only child, the only person that's involved in this and says, what's going on in your dad's day-to-day -day life? I'd be like, I don't know. He plays golf, he reads, and he gets dinner every day. Like I, that's about what I know goes on with my dad. He doesn't tell me every ache and pain he has, right? Most adult children don't have that conversation because it's kind of awkward and it's a little bit invasive and it's a little bit taboo in our culture. But if you have technology that's built into the home or built into an assisted living that gives you that data that can be sent automatically to your PCP, that would make life a lot easier for doctors to be able to make care plans and recommendations based off of the data they're seeing. Wow. So that's where I think technology will eventually be, that you're going to have things in the wall or in the ceiling that look like smoke detectors that are going to be able to tell exactly what's going on in the home without the use of cameras, without that really invasive um, privacy being taken away, knowing what's going to happen. And then 
you can have devices that are in your your clothing or in your shoes that are going to be able to give even more data on what's going on in somebody's body james bond kind of stuff yeah i mean some people might be hesitant to it but i mean we most of us are wearing smartwatches, right and that's getting bio bio data and telling us what we're doing what we're doing right what we're doing wrong where we can improve so i think it's going to be um more and more prevalent i just think the big red line in the sand is is cameras that if your your technology introduces cameras into the home you're probably not going to be very successful because our experience has been cameras are a big no-go yeah it depends i mean i've got cameras in my home because i want to see what's going on when i'm not here i don't mind that they're you know hopefully nobody can hack into them but uh let's talk about planning sure because uh everyone thinks they've got plenty of time maybe they're in their 30s you know who's going to plan for old age 40s 50s 60s even uh you know my mother lived to be 90 uh i got some time um anyway um why do you think most people put off planning and um and and if if they do decide to plan uh, where do they start yeah absolutely well i mean i'll i think you know you look like you 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 don't look your age at 69 you look like you're in shapes but i'm going to just say I that wish i at, felt that way too <laughs> right at 65 years old just as a general rule of thumb at 65 you automatically become a fall risk now that might not be yeah. necessarily pertain to you maybe you're in perfect no, health i've, I've almost it. fell because yep. i had a broken ankle and it's still not 100% so i'll get off balance or you know i'll twist it the wrong way and i'll get this sharp pain so yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. I'm a, I'm a fall risk. <laughs> so, so I, I like to say that at 65 years old, because most people need kind of that, that line, they need a, they need a, a, a trigger event. And for a lot of people, that trigger event could be a catastrophic fall or people don't realize that they have heart disease until the major heart attack occurs. <sighs> right. Well, with getting older, 65 is that trigger. Once you're hitting 65, you should really be considering what your advanced directives are going to be, what your wills are going to be. If you haven't done that earlier, obviously the better, but if two times to plant a tree 20 years ago and today, right? Today's the next best time. Um, so, you know, I always recommend in Massachusetts, there's something called honoring choices, which I always like to shout out to. They're a nonprofit that helps with uh, advanced care planning, but on a more national level, because I imagine we're not going to be just listened to in Massachusetts, going over to fivewishes.org and di- donating $5, downloading their adv- advanced care planning. And this is going to make your life a lot easier. So when you think about advanced care planning if you unfortunately happen to be in a situation where you got hit by a bus you're still alive but you can't make decisions on your own advanced care plan is going to allow doctors and professionals to talk to the right people and make decisions based off of what your interests are right now in america if they don't have advanced planning you're going to be kept alive even if your family members are saying i swear you know, Dave doesn't want to be kept alive. He's in a vegetative state. I swear, I swear, I don't have advanced care planning. And it's as simple as spending half an hour or an hour with a loved one when they're right frame of mind to go through it and making a decision on what's best for yeah. them. And of course, having a healthcare proxy is part of that process as well. It's not complicated, but it does, you know, you have to pick the right time to do it because it can be emotional for some people. I did it when I was 49, you know, advanced care directive and uh, all of that stuff. Is that advanced care 
planning.com or how do you- uh, it's i we recommend fivewishes.org um and that is an organization that i don't believe it's it's in every single state but it's in the majority of states in the united states so meaning that if you print that out and you show it to doctors they they will accept that as a legitimate form of a dot org or dot com dot org fivewishes.org okay so that's the most basic framework of planning. Like if you do that, it's it's unfortunate. If you do that, you're doing better than probably 95% of people out there. Oh, yeah. And, and that's a great way starting off point. And then from there, I really think as somebody who's over 65 years old, it's your responsibility to start that conversation with your adult children about what you want and, 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 and break down that taboo. It is extraordinarily difficult for a 38, 45 year old to go up to Dave, you know, dad and say, Hey Dave, I, dad, I know you've always been in charge and you've been the one I look to and you're my hero and you're, you're my guiding light. And now I'm going to have to have these really difficult taboo conversations with you that can be kind of tough and i think you know that can be the responsibility of the parents saying hey listen we need to sit down and and have this conversation even though it might not be the happiest one because you know it's it's talking about the end but we're all going to get there death and taxes we're all going to get there um but it's very easy to talk about that in a general sense but then when it's personalized to yourself or a loved one it can be a lot more difficult yeah wow it's so uh, educational listening to you i've i've i'm glad that i've done everything that you told me to do but there's a lot of people there who have not is that right hey listen i i'm not trying to i it's it's easier said than done and if it was if it was that easy a lot more people would do it so i don't mean to sound um snide about it in any way no. it's it's difficult but um i try to be kind of blunt about it because you know sometimes you need a you need to have that push, right? And you need somebody to say, hey, listen, this is the right thing to do. Um, and and I can promise you that it will make your family's life that much easier if you're ever in that situation because um, you, you've given them a, a, a guidebook, you've given them a map of what you want to happen, and then they don't have the guilt of in, in, in executing those decisions you don't yeah. have uh, a long lost cousin that comes in out of left field that swears you told me this one time that you didn't want this when you know and yeah. then there's that infighting or those those conflicts and and i've been in those rooms where there's infighting going on in the next room over as somebody is actively passing away and you're like what what is going on here this is not how this should go and it's part of that is because of the lack of planning and and that causes some chaos wow i can't believe how fast this time has gone um why don't you uh let our listeners know how they can reach you if they have more questions yeah if you have more questions uh, go over to well aware care if you're interested in learning more about fall detection uh fall detection and remote monitoring technology um and past that like i said if you haven't done your your advanced uh planning directives go to fivewishes.org i have no association with five wishes it's just a good website and i recommend it for everybody that's great and um i just want to let everyone know that uh, our live shows become recorded pod and video cast on all your favorite platforms and my newly released uh, book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, is spreading wisdom all over the world, available wherever books are sold, and also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And join my Caregiver Dave Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers, where you'll 
Learn all about my new Acapulco Villa caregiver wellness retreats and vacation that I offer to burned out caregivers. You're just trying to keep as many of those 30% of caregivers who will die before their loved ones do alive. So if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So again, thank you to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday, making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. The food is amazing. The staff are at your beck and call. The rooms are wonderful. The pool is great. The view is great. I mean, what's not to love? I mean, this is every caregiver's dream to get away (laughs) for a week. Seven wonderful, glorious days. And to be with other caregivers and to share their stories, to share their burdens, to share what they've learned, to network with each other. It's almost like a therapy group. (laughs) And I have been wanting to do something tangible for caregivers, but it costs money. (laughs) But I've managed to find a beautiful villa down here owned by my mentor. And he's making it possible for me to bring 12, 14 caregivers up here. And believe me, it's the gift of life. Just imagine what it's like being in paradise for seven days, waking up at noon (laughs) to a beautiful breakfast, a beautiful lunch, beautiful dinner. This is gourmet food. I've never tasted food like this in five-star restaurants. They have a a live-in chef and and uh, I, uh, I can't say enough for the service, for the food, for the quality, for the six-star service. And this is what every caregiver needs. Contact me, caregiverdave.com. God bless you, and think about it. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Oh uh-huh.